people are noticing the number of times I use the word chitta and uh, what's that why use a Pali word chitta mano or manas I don't really want to get too much into just a you know a dictionary thing uh, there are I have written on this topic and you can in the retreat you can look at some resource you can look at these I go into this more detailed um, but what we roughly speaking manas always creates an object it, it, it gives us objects we can think about and jitta is the sense of the subject another way of looking at it so take a word you take the experience i'm walking i'm walking i'm walking i'm sitting i'm listening okay there's the listening that's consciousness listening i am what's that can you see where that is i'm listening where's the i am in it there's listening well, the I am is chitta. <laughs> can you can you point to it? Not really, but you can realise you. Oh, that. Oh, right. To do that, there's a kind of a turning occurs. See what I mean? So I'm listening, listening to Jones talking about this, that, and the other. I'm feeling quite interested. I am that, and that. And oh, wait a minute, just pause and. Where's the I am in all this? There's moves, there's feelings, there's interest, there's sensations. There's a turning, isn't there? You have to turn, something turns. Oh, oh, subject. And then me, well, what's that? Um, my name, no. Um, <laughs> so naturally this, this I am thing, or this I am experience, is cloaked in various... Um, Names, as I talk about Nama, cloaked in various Namas, names, perceptions, interpretations, moods, and yet it persists, it keeps slipping out of them because everything I am changes, and yet the I am kind of remains behind it all, uh, not anything, and yet present. Mm. This is one way of looking at it one way of accessing it. Uh, it's sensitive. It's involved in every experience that occurs. Otherwise, there isn't an experience without an experiencer. And then it, it jumps. The I am jumps into action. Uh, it, it seems to adopt adopt moods, I'm sad it puts these cloaks, these coverings on it seems to get stuck in them and can't get them off and yet I have to admit I'm not always sad, happy, cheerful, bright intelligent, effective depressed walking, sitting, standing and yet that I am quality hovers behind all of this and we're really the purification is just the gradually kind of extracting that chitta qualities i am quality from all these things that saw these 
modalities that, that it adopts and sometimes gets enmeshed in. Enmeshed because I am sad and I want to be happy. So there's a struggle with it. I mean, the idea is, is, well, who is, where is the, you know, and then I am, and then there's the sadness, and how is that? Relationship, how is that? Yeah, and then there's the, you know, negative thought, and I am thinking some negative thoughts. Well, it's, it's got the I am in that. And so there's a sense in which the, the, the bondage to these um, experiences is being lessened by withdrawing. Remember, the word withdrawing doesn't mean I, I deny the existence of negative thoughts, but I'm kind of separating, as if I'm like really opening awareness, the awareness through there's the subject being affected by this negative thought. The subject is nameless. Chitta. So it's that which can be liberated from these qualities and modes that are adopted. Um, liberated from name and consciousness or this activity of consciousness mm. and this process uh, whereby it's, uh, the terms often use asawala is like leaking it just runs out into things it outflows or things flow into it there's a kind of defective relationship or whereby we're just welded and rush into phenomena and there's that gradual kind of extracting and not running into phenomena. Uh, but for this, there has to be a more accurate relationship to phenomena as for what they are and handled carefully. So a couple of, you know, Phenomenal experiences. Um, someone says they have a difficult time on retreat because when the mind slows down, they find it is not bright, but low, melancholic, and sad. I also experience difficult, sticky, unpleasant mind states. Yet they're always drawn back to retreat and have a lot of faith in the path. They just feel stuck with this experience. It was almost like a physical knot just below the ribs on the left side, like a clenched fist. It was like a block. Try being with these states, breathing into them, being kind to them. Cultivating wholesome states, including joy, seems appropriate, often feels laboured and ineffectual. Another person, how to work with internalised shame, which feels pervasive. Awareness of this, but sometimes it's so powerful it's hard to just observe it without the feeling consuming the awareness. Any suggestions? Well, you know, the observing sense has its skills and, and uses, but that's it's only it's only one way of using attention, and sometimes on these somatic experiences where it seems to be stuck in you or it's all pervasive there needs to be more of a relationship than observing can offer observing is always detached and just 
de- defining, oh, that's that, that's that, that's that, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's changing, it's... And particularly with these uh, embedded negative sadness, shame, and so forth, um, one needs to be a little more intimate with them. And so even just, you know, in thinking thoughts of loving kindness is better than thinking negative thoughts, but it, it's much more even closer than that. Feel it in the body and uh, make your awareness more like a hand, you know, more like a listening awareness or a hand of awareness, something that's got a real touch to it. Because then it's as if so many of these experiences, there's a residual, understandable, want to get rid of them. Um, and they're often hurt, sad experiences need to be touched. Because uh, there's the touch it already ha- already in itself. Touch already has a loving quality to it. You know, poke it. <laughs> but it's got a consoling, if you like. We, you know, when you console someone, you give you touch them on their shoulder or you give them a little hug or something like that. Because the touch itself has got a the body's experience is that non-invasive non-abusive but gentle touch as something that the body experiences fundamentally it takes you know loving I don't mean sentimental or romantic I mean it's the sense of non-isolation I'm not I'm not alone I'm not separated I'm not you know it's not something wrong with me others can touch me I'm I'm welcomed I mean how many words do I need to put around that but and Things like shame, there's a profound sense of exclusion with it. And with sadness and melancholy, there's a profound sense of inadequacy and low. And uh, that needs to not be, have something else placed in there, but the experience itself, everybody gets this at some time. And we draw close to that with a, how is that? How is that? Ask it, ask it to speak. It's not going to come up with, we might come up with words, it's more, but the very sense in which you're really willing to, to, um, to be with that. That willingness, receptivity. Now, I think that's, to me, that's the kind of long-term um, attitude to have. Uh, it doesn't mean we we favour it, but we're willing to. It's just like someone like a, you know, someone's got sores, bed sores, or leprosy, or something like that, and you're willing to kind of put balm on it rather than, Ugh. but just yeah, okay, how is that? Also, as a sort of something a little more sh- short term, if you in these states, if you go to your breathing and quite deliberately and consciously, while being aware of this state and aware of it, wherever it affects your body, whether it affects it overall, like a shroud of shame or disgust or 
This person talked about knotting under the ribs. Keep that in mind, but then take a long, slow out-breath. And do a couple of those, and then take a long, slow out-breath, and, and don't breathe in. Just hold the out-breath, and let all the breath go out. And when you feel the, the instinct to breathe in, wait for another 10 seconds or so. Uh, and then breathe in slowly, fully, slowly, slowly, slowly. And do it, and then relax, and then do it a few times. And what you're doing, essentially, is you're holding the somatic presence of that phenomenon in, in awareness, and then you're sending quite a, a charge because you, you know, the breath carries that energy. The breath will carry a, a, an energy in it, and then you're sending that that breath energy through this, through this somatic experience. So it, it kind of like it, it's like it's, it, it runs some some clean energy through it. Because often in these experiences, the energy itself is is stagnant, or contracted, or you know. So then you do that a few times. If you're, breathing is is a is a healer, but it also because it does follow the body energies. Unfortunately, when we're it works both ways because if you're in a depressed state, your breathing can get depressed, the energy gets depressed, and your breathing and slack. So uh, in these flattened states, it's uh, useful to restore quite a you know, bright breathing. And this isn't and this is using the body to do it, it's just by basically sustaining the out breath, waiting ten seconds and then wait till you want to breathe in, wait ten seconds and then relax and let it come in slowly. So it really suffuses the entire form. This may help just to to jolt that 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 experience. So that, that's some tips, some thoughts I have. De- I've dealt with some of these states myself. The person expresses thanks for the offerings that are being made and says um, she. the person notices that um, I mentioned we have a considerable capacity to hurt ourselves without knowing we are doing so. Hmm. Could you say some more on that? And would you remark on what you notice about this tendency in relationship with body, forms, nature, vitality, technology, industry, devices? Can you speak to ways in which we may relinquish and release this tendency? Uh, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's rooted like many of these. Like all, th- all things rooted in ignorance. <laughs> but what the particular piece that comes to mind right now in this is this process called Papancha. And um, this one way of interpreting this word is objectification. Uh, it means we see things, we experience things as objects, which, yeah, it's normal. Of course, we see things as objects. But that becomes so so 
kind of established that we lose subjective relationship. We don't relate to things. We don't relate to phenomena. We see them, oh, that's that, that's that, that's that, he's that, she's that, they're that, he's one of those, I'm with it, I'm like this, I'm not like this, I could be like that. We get very much into handling phenomena objectively without much subjective resonance. But all phenomena that we experience are experienced by I am, by citta, otherwise they can't be experienced. So there is a subjective aspect. <laughs> you can't experience something without being present with it, right? <laughs> you know? It's a, so you're, you're there with it, or your heart, your awareness is there with it, and it's got a, it, it, its nature is to, to be feel and sense and move and shift and so forth. Everything touches you. There's no such thing as objective truth. <laughs> you know, there's, because experience is subjective and yet we conceive things objectively and in that conceiving things objectively we cut off a subjective relationship of, you know I, I feel interested, disinterested um, you know, joyful, hurt, aggressive, confused, indifferent. But I feel something, something's happening. And that piece is not seen uh, because there's so much belief in the, in the objective world. And this is, you know, the, the story of, of, of our civilization is we're very good, we get device, mechanistic, technology stuff, and it's not just physical devices, we get scientific observation and statistics, and um, we've got a very strong object-forming sense, and we categorise people in terms of objects, yeah. and we, you know, nationality, gender, ethnicity, and so forth, and then character types, control freak, uh, easygoing, uh, and so forth, boss, uh, you know, child, uh, and then, then there's a sort of sense of stereotype relationship occurs. A stereotype relationship occurs. You're that, so I do this. And it's not really being touched by phenomena, not entering into that. Mm. So tree is not something that we sense and are awed or amazed at or wonder about or recognise as doing you know as a living creature. It's timber or it's a botanical experience or it's something, you know, it's seen as an object. And and we don't feel we get a subjective resonance of what that thing is in itself. Everything is it something in itself? It's not just my opinion about it. It's not just my perception of it. It's in itself. 
<laughs> Everything is you. There's no it. Do you see what I mean? Everything is you, not it. Uh, living things. But it's much easier to manage everything as it, because then you can categorize it, shift it around, talk about it. Um, and this is the model. You know, it's, an, it's a control model, it's a domination model. Yeah. And we uh, animals are meat on legs or pests or cute things in zoos or little pets. Mm. A lot of them are just meat on legs and treated like that. Billions, billions killed every year so we can eat them. Um, you know, and, and some intensive farming is pretty, pretty cruel. Very cool. I don't want to go into all the details now, but it's pretty cool. Uh, Clear-cut forests because it's timber. And we want jobs. Mm, you know, fish dredged out of the sea, dumped. You can't eat them; just dump them because they're useless. People. No account, immigrant, so forth. Slaves, dump them in the sea. They used to dump slaves in the sea if they you know, were sick or the ship wasn't doing so well and get rid of the cargo. But it's a human being. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really awful to recognise what human beings can do to other human beings that they see as objects. In fact, there is nothing that a human being won't do to something as an object. There's no cruelty that will not, can it, will not um, act upon. Because cruelty is exactly, the basis of cruelty is the withdrawal of empathy. The withdrawal of empathy. That means as soon as you start experiencing something as it, the empathy is fading. Be careful. Because then, you know, you start to judge them and assess them and feel what you like about them or don't like about them, whether they're worthwhile or not. And then, uh, don't like the clothes that one's wearing. And, and da, 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 you know, it's fairly just negative. It's not, but this is the beginning of it. So this is where cruelty begins, with just seeing sentient creatures as its. Then it bounces back, of course, because we see ourselves as an it. We don't necessarily call it it, ourselves it, but we see ourselves as an object of, well, when I think about myself, I'm not really myself as an it. When I think about myself, I did this and I didn't do that, and I'm not really this and I'm not really that. And the relationship of empathy is not there. You create yourself into an object, you beat yourself up like crazy. <laughs> and compare what you should and shouldn't, what this it is. You don't call it it, but it's the same, it's the same defective relationship. 
then you want it to perform. You know? So you want this body to be something more than it is. You treat that like an it. You want it to be more glamorous or younger or fitter or more attractive or something or other than it is. It's just the body. Couldn't we be respectful of it? Does it have to be some incredible thing before you can have any degree of respect or care for it? And your your own mind, does it have to be fantastic before you can have a sense of care for it? Hmm? Does it have to come up with constantly cheerful, bright, positive, effective mind states before you can have a sense of any sense of self-respect? You know, what kind of pressures does this it-forming tendency place upon ourselves, our bodies and minds, and those of others, and all of creation? Now we can very well say, well, you know, if you go around, you know, having sympathy for everything, nothing, you know, we won't get things done, we won't, but what needs to be done? What needs to be done? What needs to be done? Is it to keep the economy going? Why? So we'll have food, so that we'll experience well-being, right? That's the end of it. Well, we start experiencing well-being by being a little more loving, empathic, empathetic, sharing. We could we could get there without having to go through this incredibly convoluted process of destroying everything for my welfare. We want happiness. We want comfort. We want well-being. And we've been led to believe that will come through this sort of domination of the earth and domination, getting rid of people I don't like and and so on and so on and so on. And yeah, there are, sure, there are some nice perks in that, for, but we can begin to recognise there's quite a price that's paid for that. And if we look globally, planetary level, we see this has been rather a large price that's been, that's been um, you know, that the other creatures have had to pay for. The earth had to pay for all of it. The millions of creatures we've eliminated paid for, our, paid for that. The people we exploited paid for our, our comfortable lifestyle. I don't want to go on a whole kind of guilt trip about this, but um, you know, it's it's the, this is a pervasive tendency, and it's bearing in mind, you know, the uh, we don't need we we can we can do better we can do better, and this dhamma is a way of encouraging that, and you recognise in the intimacy of meditation. You've got to get, you can start turning away from this object forming tendency towards yourself. I've got to get to this state. I'm not good enough for this. What do other people think of me? 
I'm, you know, what do I think of me? And just start to jitter, feel it. Feel the negative effects, feel the sour effects, feel the disflated effects, and start to clear it. Bring in the warming effects, brightening effects, straightening effects, cooling qualities, steadying. Start here. Start here. And uh, and start sharing it. You know, all our problems arose from the, the wrongly directed chitta. Nothing could do so much harm as the ill directed chitta. And conversely, nothing could do you so much good as a well directed chitta. So here's where it starts. So, it's probably enough to be digesting, making use of. Um, this does lead us into, I hope, into reflecting on loving kindness and sharing. And uh, we always end these periods uh, with the sharing of merit and some of the terms are strange but they're often talking about dark forces well you know earth cosmologies parents it's real sharing around in the cosmos internal and external mm. This is something to cultivate. It's the extending of the chitta into its sharing mode. And we might very well reflect, uh, since we're of the nature to age, sicken and die, or something is, um, what would we like to, you know, if this is our last day, this is our last day, what we'd like to leave behind? What would we like to feel we could pass on? Would we like to be passing on? Say, this is for you, this is for others. So, you know, in the last time of our life, wouldn't we like to be saying thank you in some way? And this is for you. So you cultivate not just the chanting, but the spirit behind the chanting, it's really suggesting that we can, we can do that turn where the I am is no longer separating, but uh, you know, some discrete object, we're actually entering into a relationship of blessing and sharing and releasing you know, in, into his goodness into the world. This is a very helpful turn, and once you cultivate that turn, uh, it becomes a source of, um, gives you a good sense of guidance on, on how, how you serve in this world. 
this is what we can do, we can serve. 